Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one's set for a Friday afternoon, July the 29th, 2022. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL, alongside Charlie Potter. It's been, what, six weeks, Potter, <laughs> since we last hooked up on this here podcast? I mean, have you had a couple of kids or anything since we last spoke? Have the Magic maybe actually made a playoff spot? Uh, in the NBA postseason, it seems like it's been that long, Charlie. It has been a while. Uh, no real life-changing moments. Although I was surprised to see Paolo go number one. Seeing what he did in the summer league though has me excited. But no, I'm I'm keeping my head on a swivel. I'm kind of expecting at any moment for Tim Watts to jump in here and for you guys to turn <laughs> over to a breaking podcast. Recruiting's been wild. I know. I've, I've listened to him. I don't listen to the ones I'm on. Obviously, that would be. Um, That'd be torture for myself, but you know, Tim always has good insight, but Tim and Hank, they've been busy, man. And you have been too with these podcasts. It's been a wild couple, couple months really for recruiting. Yeah. I just walk around the house with the headset on you know, and the <laughs> wife every once in a while, give me some grief and tell me she would like fries with her combo or, you know, like to upsize the drink. You know, it's like I work in a drive-thru, a recruiting <laughs> drive-thru commitment drive-thru it's been of late, but it's been a lot of fun. And Certainly, we hope our subscribers there at BamaOnline.com have enjoyed the the breaking news and the analysis of this recruiting run that Nick Saban and his staff have been on for the 2023 cycle. And big weekend coming up, too. You got the cookout, recruiting cookout, and uh, certainly some updates that you're going to want to be a part of there on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. As Charlie said, Tim and Hank really... Uh, unrivaled when it comes to uh, recruiting coverage for us there at BamaOnline.com. You know what else we got? We got some hoops in the middle of this summer. You got Nate Oates' team preparing for a European trip. Going to check out Barcelona and Paris, I guess. Charlie, not a bad trip in the uh, summer months for a basketball team. No, I, I was talking with Aaron Jordan, the the basketball SID, and asked if they had a extra seat on the plane because that's a hell of a trip. Um, one of those guys I'm sure will remember for a long time. And yeah, that'll be starting up here soon. Uh, actually going to go out to practice this afternoon. They're going to open up, I think, the last 20 minutes or so of practice. And then we'll get to talk to NATO, some players, uh, some guys for the first time. And uh, you know, preview that, kind of get an update on the team and where things stand. So we'll have you know plenty of coverage throughout the afternoon and across the weekend, whether it be you know injury updates. I know that's one that a lot of people are interested in, and just you know some some news and notes from you know how the team's doing this summer and getting ready for that foreign tour. Yeah, roster updates between the injury situations that you outlined. Uh, some new faces, certainly from the five star perspective, and coveted incoming freshman and Jaden Bradley and also Ryland Griffin. And you also get into Brandon Miller. That's before you talk about the incoming transfers, both from the four year perspective and the junior college perspective. So 
man, it has the feeling in a lot of ways, Charlie, a, a revamped NATO's basketball team in three in year three. Yeah, no doubt. What is that? Seven newcomers, so more than half the roster, and uh, you know they don't have they don't have any plans right now to fill that last spot. So seven of the twelve scholarship players are, are new faces. Plus, you're going to be without Javon Quinterly for a little bit, coming off that ACL injury. So yeah, it's going to be a, a new look team, and that's why I think that getting these practices in before the foreign tour and playing three games. Uh, over in Europe, that's going to be really beneficial for this team, just in terms of you know building uh, chemistry, camaraderie, all of that good stuff. So uh, I, I don't think this foreign tour could have come at a better time for Ned Oates and company. Yeah, with Quinterly out, interested to see how it goes on the ball, right? With Jaden Bradley, the coveted point guard recruit coming in, Mark Sears coming in via the transfer portal, Ryland Griffin in that backcourt. A uh, lot of possibilities, and then because of injury, Namari Burnett I mean, feels like a new addition to the roster, even though he's been in the program for, what, a year now? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think Namari Burnett's close to full go, if not already there, so this will be a big opportunity for him. You know, Nate Oates had a lot of good things to say about him as soon as he joined the program before the injury, and uh, I think he's battled back. And, uh, you know, worked his tail off to, to get back on the court. And, um, you know, it's going to be big for him to step up. But it's going to be big for, like you said, the point guard position. Um, you know, Jaden Bradley's been dealing with an injury he suffered before arriving to Alabama. I think he's been able to get on, back on the court here recently. But, um, you know, adding a guy like Mark Sears, uh, an Alabama native who has a lot of, you know, basketball or college basketball experience, um, you know, to, to man that point guard position, at least until Quinterly is healthy and then probably even then some when he is. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of things to watch, um, you know, in this foreign, foreign tour and, and to begin uh, the regular season. But, you know, Alabama has a lot of talented players. They have some experienced guys coming back. And I think that mesh of both of those will be interesting to see. I'm, I'm interested to watch Brandon Miller, because it seems like every time that Alabama tweets out like a video or a photo <laughs> from these workouts, he's doing something impressive. And I think he could be a big addition to this team. So the newcomers, yeah, I, I expect a lot of them to, to make instant impacts and you know, kind of round out. You know, it was going to be a, some veteran pieces, but again, a, a new look team for this 2022-23 season. Brandon Miller, 6'9 and long there at that sort of wing position can play a couple different spots you know it gets overlooked because we talk so much about guard play not only at Alabama but just in basketball in general these days but you know Charles Bediaco and maybe some of the physical changes that he's undergone here in this offseason I think that'll be something to keep an eye on as well especially with Noah Gurley coming back at the four and then you add in Noah Clowney Nick Pringle those kind of guys that can help you at those spots. Uh, let's not forget about the bigs either. No, I think this is um, you know a big time of year for a guy like Charles Bediaco. I know he's spent some time playing in Global Jam for for Team uh, Canada. You know, a big point of emphasis for him this offseason has had to have been you know adding some some bulk to his frame, you know, muscling up, adding some weight, just so he can be a physical big down low. I think he. He showed some promising things as a true freshman, but at times he looked like a true freshman and some guy, a guy that needed to, you know, add some muscle. So I think that's a big point of emphasis for him, and and he's going to have to be big because while Alabama does have, you know, some numbers in the post, it doesn't have a ton of experience. I think you know Noah Gurley's been 
in college for a long time now, but he's not a true five. You know, he's not a guy that can you'll be what Charles Bediaco can be. So I think he's going to be a very big piece of the puzzle this upcoming season and his development, I think will go a long way in determining this team's success. Yeah. Well, interesting aspect of the sec in general turnover at the coaching position at so many programs, it seems like uh, here in the off season, kind of an ongoing theme in college basketball, but look around the league, going to be some new guys uh, leading some programs. And so uh, we'll be trying to keep track of the rest of the sec as well. But Certainly, as we head into the next week, it's going to be largely, if not entirely, about Alabama football as the Crimson Tide prepares for yet another fall camp under head coach Nick Saban. And Charlie, I thought we'd get into some questions, maybe five questions for the Crimson Tide as fall camp commences, not so much specifically related to just fall camp, but big picture scenarios for this team, Nick Saban's 16th at the helm in Tuscaloosa. And I think you got to start similar to what you did with the men's basketball situation injuries. What is the injury situation and availability like for this team? As it goes into fall camp, we could talk cornerback. We could talk running back. We could talk really a number of positions with an emphasis, maybe more so on offense than even defense, but even on defense, we didn't really see Byron young, uh, the defensive line position there in the spring game, Keanu Coote, uh, reserve outside linebacker was out. But I, again, I, I tend to go more towards the offense, although you know, cornerback's going to be a big, big question. I think maybe the biggest of them all when this team gets going next week. Yeah, the, the injury update should be a lengthy one just in terms of there's a lot of questions about guys that were either you know, held out of spring practice, recovering from things that they suffered last year. You know, some news that Nick Saban dropped at SEC Media Day. So um, if he doesn't update all of them in his opening statement, there's going to be some follow-up questions. I've, I've got a whole list of guys to ask about, uh, you know, which should be next Thursday when we hear from him after the first practice. But, um, you know, I, starting off, though, you mentioned, you know, Byron Young. Um, I saw Byron and, and Emil Ekior at a, a Nike camp earlier this summer. I think they're both good to go. Uh, you know, that's good news for a couple of veterans on both sides of the uh, lines of scrimmage. And then you know, a guy like Darian Dalcourt at, at center. Um, you know, we've had a lot of discussions on the message board this summer about the offensive line and particularly the center position. And you know, people write off Darian Dalcourt. And uh, I'm not really sure why. Uh, I think had he been healthy, he would have started every game last year as the anchor of that offensive line. And while I think Seth McLaughlin played well at times, I think, you know, a healthy Darian Dalcourt wins that battle in my mind. I'm obviously not the coaching staff. You know, we'll see how things play out. But I think a, health, a healthy Darian Dalcourt is, is very important to this offensive line, which I know we're going to talk about more in depth here coming up. But you know, Dalcourt, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, Keanu Coote, they were all three guys that Nick Saban mentioned at the beginning of spring practice as guys that were going to be held out. We'll see where things uh, stand with them. You have the guys that are coming off of injuries from last season and uh, Jace McClellan and Wendell Williams. I talked to uh, Brad Lester, who had been working with Jace McClellan throughout the offseason, and he said he was fully cleared. So I'm expecting uh, you know, Jace McClellan to be you know, ready to go for fall camp. We'll see if, if Roy Dell Williams is, is there too, or, or right behind him. Um, and then, yeah, the, the latest news that we kind of got from Nick Saban at sec media days. And 
you know, he talked a lot about the challenges facing some certain position groups and mentioned cornerback on defense. And you alluded to that uh, just a minute ago. Uh, you know, that's going to be one of the most interesting position battles to watch on either side of the ball, just because you have to replace both Josh Job and, and Jalen Armour Davis. And you have guys that have started experience from last year. But then you also add in a guy like uh, Eli Ricks from LSU. And uh, it sounds like this summer, both you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Kyrie Jackson have been limited because of injuries uh, they dealt with in the spring. Doesn't sound like anything really major from that standpoint, but that'll be something to watch. So probably forgetting something. It's a lengthy list. But uh, the good news is none of these seem significant. And uh, we'll see if there's anything else that pops up that Nick Saban might drop. It's beginning to fall camp, but uh, yeah, injuries and availability will be certainly something that we are keeping an eye on and, and going to ask about to start fall camp, no doubt. Yeah, maybe one of the most interesting and courageous, while we're at it, revelations from the last month or so has involved Javion Cohen, right? Yeah. At the offensive guard position and, you know, going public with the fact that he's been dealing with addressing his mental health and good for him. I think that's a situation that, unfortunately, we're learning more and more um, based in large part because of tragic situations elsewhere. Uh, very real aspect uh, in this era uh, of collegiate athletics. And if we're being honest, previous errors as well uh, is just something that has, has become uh, w- we see more addressed. And thankfully, universities and athletic departments are taking it on within their institutions, within their athletic departments to provide that help and that guidance to student athletes. But uh, good on Javion Cohen, right, for for taking the steps that, that he felt like he needed to and then also addressing it in a way in which it might be helpful for other folks in a similar situation. Yeah, I mean, he's he's using his platform to show that if you need help, ask for it. That was one of the main takeaways from his uh kind of statement he put out when he revealed that he had been up in, uh, I believe it's Connecticut, um, or up in the, the Northeast at the very least, um, you know, to, to work on himself and his, his mental health. And, you know, that's something that, um, in a sport like football, it's very masculine. Um, you know, that's not something a lot of people want to talk about, but, you know, like you said, kudos to him for, for opening up about it, for, you know, taking action and, and working on himself. And, you know, I think, with being under a coach like Nick Saban, um, you know, he understands that aspect of the game as well. Like he's, of course, he's he's tough on these players. He tries to get the best out of them, make them the best players, the best people they can be. But, you know, I, I think that's certainly something that they encouraged him to do if he feels this way to get the help that he needs and to help him in, in any way that they can. And, you know, I think it's the same spot that uh, Dane Shore went up to as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, before, you know, when he announced he was, uh, in the transfer portal and then ultimately, uh, going to, to UConn, which is, you know, pretty close to that facility. So yeah, kudos to those guys for, you know, taking control of their situations and recognizing that they need help. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, Javion is going to be there on day one of camp. You know, he's, he was a guy in the spring that was a, a standout interviewer. So hopefully we get to talk to him soon and maybe learn a little bit more about, uh, this whole process for him. We talk about availability, and as sort of an extension of that, uh, you're going to talk about newcomers, uh, impact, uh, potential there, especially where the transfer portal is concerned, because 
I mean, we saw some of these guys in the spring, Jameer Gibbs, Eli Ricks, Jermaine Burton, and now here comes Tyler Harrell from Louisville. Here comes Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt. You also have a late signee and a junior college tight end in Miles Kitzelman. So I guess one of the questions I'll have for the season in general, more so than even fall camp, will the transfer impact meet up with expectations? And when you look at the spots that Alabama addressed, uh, that's that's obviously the hope and uh, will hinge largely, I think, the, the championship hopes of this team to to these guys fitting in and, and being productive. Yeah, I mean, Nick Saban is not bringing in guys just to bring in guys. Um, you know, he's going to go out and get one, talented players, but talented players that can impact their team in a positive way. And most likely fill holes. You know that's the that's their goal for the transfer portal. And you know going back to SEC media days, uh, I kind of alluded it to it when talking about the corners. You know he mentioned three positions as challenges, just in terms of replacing the talent that they lost from last year's team, and that was corner, wide receiver, and offensive line, primarily offensive tackle. And looking at what they brought in from the transfer portal. You know, that says, you know, we we want to shore up these positions. It's not that they're necessarily doubting what they have on their roster, but if you can go out and get an impact transfer to plug and play at positions of need, then you're going to do that. And you know, bringing in Burton and Harrell at wide receiver, I think those guys can you know make an immediate impact. And Burton is obviously a guy that came in in the spring and, and uh, earned first team minutes pretty quickly. And, you know, he developed a rapport with with Bryce Young. Um, you know, Tyler Steen came in in the summer, but, you know, Nick Saban at SEC Media Days, while he was, you know, praising uh, Eric Wolford, talked about some some guys that came in over the summer that weren't there in the spring, and they're going to have an opportunity to contribute. Tyler Steen kind of fits that mold. And then, you know, Eli Ricks, um, I, I know I don't put a lot of stock into watch lists or anything like that because it's the preseason and it's before a single down of football has been played, but Eli Ricks is a very popular pick. And given what he was able to accomplish at LSU, uh, I think he can come in and, and definitely contribute right away and, and compete with guys like Kool-Aid McKinstry and, and Kyrie Jackson for playing time. So these guys didn't come to Alabama to watch from the sidelines. And that may end up being the case, but what we've seen from Alabama just in terms of bringing in transfers the last few years, you know, they're brought in for a reason. And I think all of these guys uh, can certainly make an impact. And while it wasn't a position of need, I think maybe one of the guys that can make the biggest impacts is Jameer Gibbs, the transfer running back from Georgia Tech. And um, you know, Alabama has a lot of talented players in that position. Nick Saban said a bunch of times during the spring that he's not really worried about that group because of what um, you know some of these guys have done in the past and some of the additions they made. But Jameer Gibbs is a guy that can do it all. So I agree with you that the way that these transfers, if they come in and, you know, compete and, and push for playing time and win jobs can have a lot to do with the success of this team this season, you know, going back to, I ranked the the top 25 most important players on the roster and damn near all of them were in the top 10, just because I think they can make that impact and be that important to this team's success. So, yeah, I mean, the transfers, I feel like we write a lot about them, but the fact that they brought in five and, and five highly touted guys and guys that could have really gone anywhere they wanted, uh, I think they're going to be um, big-time contributors for this team this fall. 
You think about Jamison Williams and John Mechie, those are two of the top four wide receivers, receivers in general, in the SEC last season in terms of yards per game. So that's what you're having to replace. And with the question marks you have at that position, Ja'Cory Brooks coming back after sitting out the spring, uh, you really need two guys to hit this time around. Not one like a year ago when it was John Mechie and you brought in Jamison Williams. I think you're thinking if you're Alabama right now, you need Harrell and Burton to be those dudes that combined give you 170 plus catches and a combined 2000 receiving yards and a combined 20 plus touchdown catches. I mean, that's, that's what you're looking at there. And I think Gibbs, the potential with him is such that tell me what you think, Charlie, even if one or both of the backs that had the ACLs, uh, McClellan and, uh, and also Roydell Williams, even if one or both of those guys were healthy in the off season, if Jameer Gibbs hits the market, that's still a guy I think Alabama would have targeted. Yeah, I think so. Just because, well, one, go back to his recruitment. I think Alabama was mm-hmm. was in on him then. I think that says a lot about what they thought of him as a player. And then just look at the gobs and gobs of yardage he was able to, to pick up all over the place at Georgia Tech. Um, a versatile player like that that can not only – you know, do some things out of the backfield, but, you know, catch the ball as a receiver uh, is a threat in the return game. Uh, a versatile, a versatile weapon like that. I don't think you really turn away, um, especially if he shows interest in your program. And you know, Alabama has done well with, with using multiple backs in the past. And uh, I certainly think they can do that here as well. I mean, I, I don't know if say everybody's healthy. I don't know if we see, you know, all four of those running backs that are, you know, juniors and older, but, you got to like the idea of rolling out Jameer Gibbs, Chase McClellan, Trey Sanders, and maybe even Roy Dell Williams and and just gassing opposing defenses, just running out fresh legs as quickly as you can. That's a, it's a very intriguing uh, element to this offense is just how they're going to utilize these running backs. But uh, again, I think if everybody's healthy day one, Jameer Gibbs still sees maybe even a line share of the carries, not like a, a Najee Harris, or even Brian Robinson last year, but he's the number one back and is on the field the most of that group. I think sticking with sort of the run game and the pass protection and those things for all the positive talk about new offensive line coach, Eric Wolf will improvement with the offensive line show up on the field. That's another question we have for this team heading into fall camp, gave up a Saban era high in sacks a year ago as a team rushed for just 4 point yards, 4.1 yards per carry, which, you know, sacks obviously play into that, that impacts your rushing total. But even if you just want to talk situational run game, like short yardage uh, goal line, Alabama with just 21 rushing touchdowns last season and 15 games, in 13 games in 2020, Alabama had 37 rushing touchdowns, almost twice as many rushing touchdowns with Najee Harris in the previous offense and the previous offensive line. What do you think, Charlie? Are you buying into this optimism that even with Evan Neal <laughs> moving on to the National Football League, this will be a an area of an improvement for the Alabama offense in 2022? Well, firstly, going back to that 2020 team, that number's crazy when you think about 
Devontae all Smith. SEC opponents, yeah, too. But, well, but Devontae Smith winning the Heisman as a, a wide receiver. Right. That That's is, how great Najee was, too, yeah, though. No doubt. I mean, we had all three of those guys with throwing Mac Jones in the group finished top five in the Heisman Trophy, but that <laughs> offense was just nuts. I think anytime you can talk about that, we should. But um, I, I think the offensive line can improve. Um, even with losing the, you know, the number five pick in the draft and Evan Neal at left tackle, um, you know, if, if Tyler Steen comes in and, and is the player that they want him to be and need him to be, um, I think that's big, you know, coming in, stepping in that left tackle position, a guy that has three years of, of starting experience in the SEC. Um, if, if he can do that, that's ideal because Alabama obviously exited spring, not feeling great about the left tackle spot. And, um, you know, they addressed that midway through spring practice because we were able to ask Bryce Young about Tyler Steen then. And, you know, hearing from from Bryce at SEC Media Days, you know, he, he talked about the offensive line. And, of course, you know, Bryce is always going to be a positive guy when talking about his teammates. But he mentioned uh, Tyler Steen in general. And the only reason that he mentioned Kendall Randolph is because he was asked about Kendall Randolph. And so I, I think Tyler Steen's a guy that they hope can come in and and shore up that offensive line. If if JC Latham can take that step between years one They and two, have to be better at right tackle, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean they can't be worse. Just being honest. So they they can't be worse at right tackle no, than they were um, a year ago. Can they? I don't really want to, you know I'm not trying to bang on anybody. I'm just <laughs> just look at the players they went through too. I mean, that speaks to it as much as anything. You know, no, I know. I just I think Chris Owens gets piled on a lot, and the yeah. reason he's out there is because Chris Owens knows this offense, and right. that is also an indication of the rest of the players that they weren't ready to go from a physical standpoint and a knowledge standpoint. Maybe physically, I think you know Damian George and and J.C. Latham are imposing individuals, uh, but. You know, and maybe some of it did have to do with the coaching last year, right? I mean, there's there's multiple factors is what we're saying contributed to that situation. That's a good point. But I, I do think that it is it is undoubtedly an upgrade of whoever it is at right tackle. Um, and I think that kind of evens things out with you had a, a subpar right tackle and an all-American left tackle. And you can have two quality starters now with the, you know, the – potentiality of guys like JC Latham and Tyler Steen. The and interior, the interior yeah. should be really, really good. You feel good about that. You have both starting guards back. You have two guys that have starting experience at center. And then like you said, the the praise for Eric Wolford, it was unsolicited at SEC Media Days. Nick Saban mentioned in his opening statement, uh, he didn't really call out anybody else. He he talked about Coleman Hutzler as a special teams coordinator, but that was when he was running down the list of mm-hmm. offense, defense, special teams, you know, he mentioned Eric Wolford on his own. And then Bryce young uh, went a step further when talking about the offensive line. And he said that he can feel a change in attitude and direction. And he mentioned, he said, coach Wolf coming in really has helped us. And I think that, you know, he is a guy that you, you look at his stops at South Carolina, at Kentucky. Uh, those guys have nothing but good things to say about him. He obviously is great at developing relationships, but I think he can get a lot of out of these guys. And I think that's going to be beneficial for players like J.C. Latham. Hell, like guys like J.V. and Cohen who are going into their second years as starters, Darian Dalcourt. So if J.C. Latham can live up to his five-star uh, potential, and Tyler Steen can continue to be a quality starter in the SEC, 
I think there is reason to believe that this offensive line can be better as a unit um, in 2022. I, I don't think there's any debate that Evan Neal was the best offensive lineman and really the bright spot of the offensive line last year. But like you pointed out, they can't give up as many sacks. You know, they ranked 13th in the SEC last year. They have to keep Bryce Young upright, give him time to throw in the pocket, and then open up some running lanes for these talented backs. If they can just – they don't have to be the 2020 offensive line. But if they can be markedly better than last year, then this offensive line and this offense has a chance to be really special. In situational run game, get a yard when everybody in the stadium knows you're running the football. And I understand it's hard. It's difficult in this era, in any era of football. And, you know, that's a situation you find yourself in. But I thought all too often last year, too, inside the five, inside the goal line type situations – I think about Florida specifically that game for some reason, but just could not move the football a yard uh, when they needed to on the ground. And that's with a guy at running back and Brian Robinson, that that was kind of his thing. Um, so too many early hits on running backs uh, on run plays, especially in some situational areas where they got to be better. I mean, they got to get back into the 30s for rushing touchdowns. And listening to Nick Saban, even at SEC Media Days, this isn't to say that this is going to go back to 2011 Alabama or anything like that. But it did sound like Nick wants to certainly emphasize more balance on offense. And that, that helps an offensive line, too. It does. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that has a lot to do with the talent they have at running back and what they have to replace the receiver. So mm-hmm. I, I think watching this offense through the first, really through the month of September, it's going to be fascinating just to see, you know, when, what guys are out on the field, but how they you know continue to get comfortable and to progress, because there's going to be a lot of young guys that are going to be called to action, whether it's Latham Brooks, Earl, Leary, maybe some of these freshmen at wide receiver. Heck, even you know some young guys like Robbie Utes at tight end. Uh, the tight end position is going to be important in this run game aspect as well because you know these guys are going to have to to do some of that and to step in for a guy like Jaleel Billingsley, who let's be honest wasn't the world's greatest blocker. So I, I think that this offense could benefit from some more balance, uh, but I still think you know you. You had the reigning Heisman Trophy winner back there. Mm-hmm. You, you brought in some talent and some speed all over the place at wide receiver. You're going to want to, you know, sling it around a good bit. But you know, lean on the strength early, and um, you know, then you know, get those other guys comfortable. Yeah, I just, you know, I think that there's a scenario where Bryce doesn't throw for maybe as many yards or touchdowns because some of that goes towards the run game. But then you see Bryce's yards per attempt go up, right, when he does throw it because of the run game and the threat of the run and what they're able to do in the passing game off a legitimate threat to run the football. And also, more importantly, his hits that he takes goes down because I, I don't I don't think Alabama fans want to uh, consider a scenario like LSU again from last November where it was uh, – it was tough to. It was difficult at times during that game to think he was going to make it uh, through four quarters in one piece. What about the defense? Let's ask the question: Will this defense live up to the hype, and not just by Saban standards at Alabama, but from an all-time perspective? Because Charlie, we know 
statistical leaders at pretty much every area of this unit, sacks, tackles for loss, tackles, pass breakups, pretty much anywhere you want to look, interceptions. They bring a lot of guys back, and it starts with Will Anderson, as we know, but it extends well beyond, beyond him as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a ton of experience coming back. And you know, first things first, when you're talking about an all-time defense, it, it's tough. I, I know Georgia had one last year, but you also you know, look at Georgia's schedule before the postseason a little bit. But Yeah, that helped, no it, doubt. <laughs> but it, it's tough in this day and age of football just because of some of the offenses you're going to face. And Alabama has a, a, a challenging schedule coming up. and uh, But I, I do think this defense – um, it can be at or near the top of the SEC once again, and it helps with having eight starters back. Um, there's a ton of experience at every level of this defense. Obviously, corner is going to be a big one in terms of development. Um, I think if if you know Kool-Aid McKinstry, Eli Ricks, Kyrie Jackson, two of those guys come in and play at a, a near all SEC level, which we've seen Eli Ricks already do that. Um, then the secondary will be in great shape. I think you need some of these defensive linemen to step up. Of course, you can probably pencil in the starters as the three, the three seniors that came back, DJ Dale, Byron Young, Justin Aboigby, but you know, guys like Tim Smith and Jamil Burroughs, some of these younger guys too, taking on, you know, more of a, uh, more of a role and, and more of an opportunity with a guy like Phil Mathis moving on. If the defensive line can play well, and not only play well against the run, but get some interior pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And if the corners can, um, you know, step up and, and be on the field consistently, because that was an issue last year with with Job and Armor Davis and injuries. But if if those two positions can, um, you know, really play consistently, I think, given what they have on the edge, given what they have at uh, inside linebacker and at the safety position, I think this defense will be just fine. And then again, it'll be you know, at or near the top of the sec and, and, you know, leading some of the main statistical categories nationally. Cause you look last year, they finished, um, you know, fourth in rushing defense, seventh in total defense, seventh in uh, third down conversion. That's nationally. Uh, and that's at or near the top of the sec in both of those categories. So yeah, and I think that they, the expectations are high, but with the experience, they can match those, I think. You can be a really, really good defense these days and give up 20 points per game. Yeah. We've seen that. That was Alabama a year ago. That wasn't a bad defense. No. Um, the year before, really, really good defense gave up a little more than 19 points per game. I've heard Nick Saban talk about it. Situational defense, third down defense. You pointed it out. Alabama led the SEC in red zone uh, conversion uh, efficiency defensively a year ago. Probably would like to see some improvement in terms of the red zone. Gave up 22 red zone touchdowns on 40 trips by opponents a year ago. That's a 55% clip. I'm sure Nick Saban would like to see that move down a good bit. But, yeah, I mean, really, it leads into the fifth and final question for this team going into fall camp, and that is, should the expectation – for this team be national championship or is it a bust if they don't win the national championship? I think it is. Um, you look at some of the guys that came back, it kind of has that between the 2019 and, and 2020 seasons when guys like Devonte Smith and, and Najee Harris, Dylan Moses, Alex Leatherwood, all those came back. You maybe don't have as 
big of impact guys offensively, but defensively with Jordan Battle and Henry Toa Toa, you know, these guys coming back, uh, DeMarco Hellams, all the defensive linemen. Um, I, I think you couple the experience on the defensive side of the ball with getting Bryce Young back as the Heisman Trophy winner, and you already automatically like Alabama as an early season um, you know, playoff team. It's just, you know, you have the defense, you have the quarterback, that's key ingredients to winning a championship. But this team's also motivated. You've heard it throughout the spring um, at SEC Media Days at these various events that players have been at. Um, you know, they still remember how the season ended and they don't want to experience that again. You know, Bryce Young, you know, won the Heisman Trophy. He's going to be up for damn near every individual award again this upcoming season, at least right now he is. Uh, but he doesn't care about any of that. He wants to win a national championship, and that's why a lot of these guys came back. That was the number one reason they cited was to to win a national championship. And you know, a, a double digit win season with an SEC title that still doesn't cut it at a place like Alabama. So again, they have that bad taste in their mouth. And then Alabama's recruited the wide receiver and offensive line positions really well. Again, you have that early praise for Eric Wolford, the job that he's done so far with this uh, offensive line and then, you know, the wide receivers, there's just a ton of talent, just not a lot of experience. If, if those two spots develop around Bryce young, then yeah, I think this team is definitely able to, or capable of winning the national championship. We, in an earlier podcast broke down the opponents and you look at the schedule and while there are some tough games and tough stretches, it's certainly doable if everybody's healthy and playing up to their ability for Alabama to go undefeated and, and go back to Atlanta so I think it, an undefeated season is certainly um, possible. And I think with this team, with all the pieces coming back, with Bryce Young and Will Anderson now going into their third and what should be final years at Alabama, leading this team on both sides of the ball, it, it, the expectations have to be national championship or bust. Yeah, there's just not many excuses, right, for this group. With all the returning statistical production, with the leadership, two permanent team captains a year ago as sophomores are back, plug-and-play additions via the transfer portal, the pieces are all in place. I think you hit on a couple areas where my bigger concerns, especially after the way the 2021 season ended, would be depth as much as anything. Depth at wide receiver. Okay, you went out in the portal and you got two starter caliber guys, but what else do you have at that position as you continue to develop some young players and also offensive tackle in general, just specifically, you know, if you have an injury or two there, uh, who are the next guys up? Are they going to be of SEC caliber? So it's more of a depth question. I would have certainly the health of Bryce Young is where it all starts when we talk about potential injuries and scenarios that Alabama fans wouldn't rather not consider. And Will Anderson would be up there as well. Although I think at outside linebacker, you know, you've got some guys that you can continue to roll in there. Um, so that's really where it sits. You just can't predict injuries. We know that injuries, always the great unknown. She said the schedule isn't exactly easy. Uh, the non-con isn't particularly daunting. The trip to Texas in week two will certainly be, under the microscope and then you, know, you kind of get into October with Arkansas and A&M and that road trip to Tennessee that we talked about on the previous podcast. So there are some potential 
you know, landmines that you got to navigate, especially in the midsection of that schedule. It'll be so much about A&M that you got to be careful in that stretch with, with the trip to Fayetteville and the trip to, to uh, Knoxville sandwiched uh, around that, that home game, that anticipated home game with Texas A&M. But again, from my perspective, Charlie, no excuses. And, you know, I think there's some years where you look at it and you go, oh, look, it really wasn't that realistic. And in retrospect, in hindsight, when you see a team like last year that loses its top two receivers between the SEC championship game and the national championship game, you think, you know what, 13-2 and two with an SEC title, that was probably about right for that team. So we don't have the benefit of that when looking ahead at this team. But if the injury situation is at least manageable, um, yeah, I think I think that's that's right back where we're at with with Alabama football under Nick Saban. I guess that doesn't make this season all that different than than most seasons, right? Over the last ten or fifteen years, <laughs> no, it, it's not very different. But this one. It's not unique, really. Again, like the the 2020 season, there was a lot of of hype around that. Even though um, you're you're kind of having a change in the guard at the quarterback position, but it, with the guys coming back, I think it's it's the fact that they're coming off of a disappointment. That's never really, if you're an opposing team, when you want to have Alabama, a, a talented Alabama team that returns a lot, especially at the quarterback position. So uh, I, I think that's one of those things that. We might. I don't want to rule it out because you never know what's going to happen. Again, it's going to be important for the offensive line, the wide receivers, other positions on defense to to develop. But that might eliminate some of the performances we saw, like on the road at, at Florida, or, or of course the Texas A&M game. You know, there's going to be a lot of um, expectations, a lot of um, you know just command of the locker room from these guys that are now juniors, you know, looking at Bryce Young and Will Anderson. So I, I think this team has the right stuff. It, it The recipe looks to be one to set up for uh, a deep run and national championship run. It's just like you said, you know, those recipes have to make it into the, to the mix. Um, you can't have anything really happen because, you know, knock on wood, but injuries do happen. And if they do at certain spots, that could be, you know, a very big deal for Alabama. So I, I think again, it's, it's what we've come to expect, but for a team that returns a lot from a, a year in which they didn't end the way they wanted to, that's usually a good thing for Alabama. A lot still has to happen between now and then, and it all starts next week with the arrival, the approach of fall camp 2022. But, man, we've got so much more for you at BamaOnline.com, whether it's Charlie's positional previews. I can then continue to count down the 2022 roster. A lot going on there at BamaOnline.com from the team perspective. Hell, you got hoops. Yep. Charlie, man, you're actually going to get to watch some Alabama practice uh, later this afternoon. And you got an open practice tomorrow for the fans at Coleman Coliseum on Saturday morning. Uh, you better take them in because I, I don't think we're going to – I didn't mean to do I, – I, I really, honestly, Charlie, <laughs> I didn't mean to stir you up here at the very end. You know me. I'd never do that about 
practice availability where football is concerned. You know me better than that, right? Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> <laughs> I saw the the tweet um, that the basketball team put out this morning, and uh, I just quote tweeted it and said your turn and added Alabama football. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think we'll see any kind of open practice. Um, I don't think we'll get any kind of media availability. You know, you just hope and pray that you know things. Um, you know, don't ramp up from a pandemic standpoint that you know, when you get to the postseason, <clears throat> excuse me, and you get to where Alabama doesn't have control over practice that we can get in there. So I'm not holding my breath for practice. I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't don't see us going to football practice. So I got to enjoy these, you know, hoops morsels when we get them before they head out to Europe. There you go. That's what we're going to have for you, among many other things, at BamaOnline.com. you got the big recruiting weekend on the football front also to take into account. We'll have that coverage for you. And, of course, you're going to want to hang out with us on the round table, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. Hey, Charlie, have a good weekend, my man. You too, man. I will say if, if I go and pick up a lottery ticket, I'll go and buy uh, the apartment complex from across the, the practice field and tell them to suck it when they want to tell me I can't practice. <laughs> well, if you can get a lottery ticket in the state of Alabama. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to head over to Mississippi. Oh, OK. Yeah. Get it on that uh, mega millions. Yeah. 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 What is it like one point three trillion now or something crazy? Yeah. I'll, I'll donate some money to the NIL fund and then they can let me watch. Oh, then there's, and by the way, there's, there's more collectives coming. We will have some of that for you coming up maybe down the stretch as well, but Hey, Charlie, good stuff. As always appreciate it for Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer. Thanking you for joining us here on the Bama online podcast until next time. So long, everybody. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.